Hello, and welcome to Nevermind the Pain Points, a podcast dedicated to helping you unlock your business challenges. Pulling on our network of clients, partners, experienced employees, and industry experts, we wanted to share with you our views and opinions on common business challenges. As a consulting firm that deals with these pain points on a daily basis, we thought we were well-placed to give insights on addressing these challenges. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. My name is Susie Mosper-Monk, and I am the in-house performance psychologist here at Clarisist. I'm joined today by Catherine Stagmacy, who is an executive and team coach and also the host of a great podcast called Unsaid at Work. So you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Looking forward to this conversation. Amazing. So today we're going to talk, I guess, predominantly around high performing teams, something I know you have a lot of experience in. And I guess linked to that specifically talking about leadership, coaching, and how can we get people within our organization to be engaging in high performing teams? How do we keep our teams being high performing? I know at Clarisys as a consultancy, we work a lot in teams internally, but also we work a lot with our clients and within client teams. So bringing both of those lenses. So I guess my first question to you would be, how do you view leadership? What's the role of leadership in a high performing team? I think there's two things you've got to break down there. Like what do we mean by high performing team? It's a cool term and everyone goes, yes, I want that, but what do you actually mean? And I don't think there's a perfect definition. I was looking for research on high-performing teams, and there's something like 2,300 research papers on what a high-performing team is, and a different model for each of those papers. So if you don't quite know what you mean when you say it, you're in good company, is the first thing I would say. I think what we mean by high-performing team is that it would be well-running in a place that we would enjoy showing up in. And I think the myth that most leaders have around high-performing teams is that if I hire a bunch of smart people, put them in the room, we get a great team. It's completely not true. Yeah. Lots of metaphors to kind of unpack that if you think about it. But I think the role of leadership is understanding what do you mean by high-performing team and how do you want to measure that. Take your pick. There's lots of models out there. But don't just throw it around as a cool term. To understand that I find leaders take a lot of responsibility in saying it's, especially if the team is not working well, that it's, it's theirs to fix. And so there's almost like a parent-child thing going on there. It's like, it's not yours. As, as a leader, you probably don't have the skills to fix it if it really is not working well. So you probably need some outside help, either working with the team or someone working with you to work with the team. So you were, you were mentioning around leaders feeling it's their role to fix teams and actually often they won't have the skills or they could do with some external help. Is that something that you tend to see quite a lot of, of leaders then trying to put their own values or their own preferences onto a team so kind of doing things to the team how how does that tend to play out yeah. for you i think you've hit it on the head there i think people and if you talk to a leader about what's going on like if it's not going well what's going on with the team and they say well you know bob does this and mary does that and you're like well there's a misunderstanding of teams are systems and when you put a bunch of people together things happen that are bigger than the individuals that are a part of that and so leaders often see it as sort of a whack-a-mole game like if i could just get bob to stop doing that everything would be fine sure. it's like well, that's not how it works there's a invitation i think for leaders to understand more about systems and how systems work yeah. and how to influence that so you know you're looking to influence as the leadership role of a high-point team is how do i and i'm moving my body as i say this how do i see what needs to happen and how do i nudge certain behaviors how do i not be attached 
to the things I'm nudging and because if that doesn't work then something else needs to happen how would you if you are a leader who's part of a team how would you encourage them to take that perspective because I think as you say it could be really easy particularly if you are a leader of a team who is engaging in that team day to day I think you do as you say become quite attached to the ins and outs and the intricacies but maybe you don't have that wider perspective to see the bigger picture how would you encourage people to to actually do that one of the great exercises you can think of is if you think of your team as a thing so let's say if you think of your team as an animal what kind of animal would it be I asked this of someone recently and I gave her a broader remit as to like, what's the metaphor for the team? And mm-hmm. she thought about it and she said, you know, we're like the big five in, in a game park. We occasionally meet at the watering hole, but we're pretty mistrustful of each other. I'm like, that's great. So, like, so now that you know that you're, so there's a lot of individual strengths in the big five. They do come to a watering hole at some point. They, they could probably kill each other if you put the wrong combination in there. So if you're a leader of that team, what needs to happen now she's like oh well we need to build more trust i'm like that's great great so how do you want to do that so i think systems feels like a big word but often the metaphors the analogies are helpful ways in another one i say is like what dance is everyone doing and they're like oh well it feels like you know we're 14 at the high school disco and everyone's standing on the outside watching some person in the middle doing the jive and feeling incompetent and uncomfortable and you're like great so what do you want well, i want everyone on the dance floor dancing the same dance great how do you make that happen and how does that translate to your team amazing so I'm a a sports psychologist by trade so immediately my brain goes to football teams and what what we see there so for example Chelsea this season great bunch of players terrible form (laughs) I can't can't comment I know nothing I'm just likely to call it soccer as I am football so I then get myself in trouble in this country (laughs) okay so we've got that bigger picture perspective we're encouraging them to think out of the day-to-day rather than getting stuck on the detail of maybe some of the specific challenges that they're facing I guess in terms of maybe then making the the changes or you mentioned before if we've identified okay we need to build more trust within the team what's the role of a leader to facilitate that how would you kind of get them to actually go about making the changes that they've maybe identified so they've identified outcomes that we want more you know more trust higher levels of trust is an outcome and then you look at well how do you go about let's take that as an, as yeah. an example like how do we go about doing that and do that does the leader feel skilled and that is it a sometimes it's just an explicit conversation of can you have a conversation with the team which says this doesn't feel like there's enough trust? What do we do about it? Like mm-hmm. there is an assumption, I think, in a lot of leaders that I have to I have the answers for everything. Yeah. So there's a trust problem, I have to solve the trust problem. I'm like, well, who says you have to solve? You know, you can be accountable and responsible for guiding the team through that, but the wisdom lies in the system. Like mm-hmm. there'll be things that are being unsaid, there'll be longings and yearnings in the team that you don't know until you give space for people to have that conversation Mm -hmm. okay and I guess so the the previous podcast in this series was talking I guess we landed quite explicitly on psychological safety as a a a mechanism and I think Phoebe who was on that podcast kind of said it doesn't mean that we have to be really nice to each other all of the time that's absolutely not what we mean by psychological safety it's about giving people the space to share their concerns feel that they can give an honest opinion give challenge and and that obviously helps the team to be more high performing over time I guess as a leader are there certain behaviors that we would be hoping for or looking for in order to foster that feeling of psychological safety what can leaders do to give space to allow that conversation as you say to let the team kind of solve the problem themselves well the first recognition is that 
they may not be able to have that conversation. Like you may not be able to create enough psychological safety for that conversation to happen. I've got a client of mine who I keep calling out. He goes, but I tell them it's a safe space. I don't know why they don't speak up. I'm like, just because you're the most senior person in the room calls it safe does not make it safe. It's yeah. like it's not, <laughs> it's not the premise of it at all. The more work I do in this area, the more I feel like you've got to do your own work to do this work. Yeah. As a coach and you know, therapist, as you know, you can only take people as far as, as the work that you've done. And so most of us as coaches are on this perpetual personal development journey because we want to be able to hold more for our clients. And I think there's a parallel for that with leaders. Like you, you have to get out of this idea that you just know stuff, you know, and I'm pointing to my head, right? Like it's, it's beyond what's in your head. It's mm-hmm. what's in your body. It's what's in your heart. And how do you exude yeah. that? Like, you know, and I've, if you want to talk about take a big topic if there's if it's racism that needs to that's the conversation we need to have in the room where I look to my leader and go yeah I think you could probably cope with that that's a very big topic by way of example but I think two people are going to have a fist fight if we open up this can of worms do I feel that my leader can manage that Mm -hmm. or would would flip out or would shut it down or would shame people like that's the stuff that we're asking of our leaders which I think is a very uh so very much higher level than perhaps with the way I grew up. You know, when I I did 20 years in consulting and all of Wyoming KPMG, and it felt like the leader was the smartest person in the room. Like yeah. it, it, it was about IQ. Yeah. It wasn't about EQ. It wasn't about social relationship intelligence at all. Yeah. And I think Clarice's model is a different way, for sure. Yeah. Which, which gives me tremendous hope. <laughs> I'm often saying to clients of mine in toxic environments, like, I promise you there are better ways. I know because I work with one of the companies. <laughs> it, it is possible. <laughs> it is possible. I really like that. And I think so a lot of the work that I do as a, a performance psychologist is I use a model called acceptance and commitment therapy. And that stems from noticing and knowing yourself. Mm-hmm. So a lot of present moment awareness and just being conscious of, OK, I'm in this situation this is what's showing up for me and this is the potential kind of response to it and giving people that I guess awareness but also it's a choice right it's a choice how we choose to respond to the internal events that we have thoughts feelings etc we we do have a choice in that and I really like kind of actually getting our leaders to be conscious of that and and how they're responding and and the environment that they're creating I and, guess and knowing your limitations as a leader like mm. a lot of leaders I work with have a, a fear now the word of it of uncomfortable or hard conversations it's like well my friend that is an edge you got to get over like and I appreciate it I didn't have I wasn't taught the skills for hard conversations and I still get it triggered in hard conversations it's like but I have a much better capacity for it now yeah. and even within that knowing your limits I was facilitating slightly unplanned on a mastermind group that I was in last week not my mastermind I was a participant trying to give people the experience of sitting in circle and just Mm -hmm. reflective conversations and racism just landed in the room between two people that had a thing outside it came into the center one person was crying the other person felt uh, felt very hurt and in the moment I'm like do I have the skills to see this through Mm -hmm. And I was right up my edge. Yeah. Know, facilitating conversations about race has me very close to what I feel I'm not capable of doing. Yeah. And that's okay. It's, a, it's the awareness it's, of that. It right? is. And that's, that's, that's our invitation, I think, from both of us to mm-hmm. people listening to this, right? It's like you don't have to be able to facilitate racial conversations or 
bullying or sexism, I mean, those are the big ones, but there are smaller conversations, you know, so-and-so doesn't get on with so-and-so. The team that I know, somebody was having an affair with someone else in the organization. It went across hierarchical lines. No one in the leadership team called him out. So not only did he jeopardize, because it's an American-based organization, puts the company in line of some sexual harassment suits, but also the sense of things spoken in the leadership team were finding their way into the rest of the organization, and the assumption was it was pillow talk. But this grown-up leadership team has not once had the conversation with this person. Yeah. And the impact of that on the rest of the team and the company and, yeah. And there's lots of like, well, he means okay, it'll be okay, it'll work out. And you're like, yeah, but this is a conversation. You need to sit in the discomfort of having this. And if you can't, as the leader, the CEO, if you can't have that conversation, find someone else to facilitate it. Yeah, and that's that, knowing your limits, but being aware of it enough that actually this is something that needs to happen. If not you, then who, I guess. So we've spoken quite a lot around the traditional leadership role maybe you would say and I think the key points of actually being able to take a step back not being too stuck in the detail being able to try to identify what's going on and then I guess not taking it on yourself as a a traditional leader to try and solve all of those problems and, and being aware of your limits in that space I think At Clarisys, we talk a lot about having a flat hierarchy. And I guess what we mean by that is that everyone has a responsibility, but also the ability to be a leader in any given team, whether that is internally, you often have people of different levels working together, but also on client. We want people of who maybe are perceived as more junior or earlier in their career. We want them to be able to bring their ideas and and challenge people who have 20 years experience because we want that diversity of thought and, and we think that produces a higher performing team how would you start to help other teams to have those kind of conversations and if you are someone who is a part of a team who you feel maybe your team isn't performing as well but you're not in a traditional leadership role how could those people start to have influence or make changes to to help the team move forwards I think there's two things I would unpack there like what is your definition of leadership like to that individual like is it is it about positional power? Is it something bigger? And then certainly Clarisys offers a broader concept of leadership that you can step into leadership at any time. Yeah. Helping someone cross the street is a moment of leadership. Love that. Right. I mean, uh, 10 years ago, I wouldn't have seen that myself. Mm-hmm. So I just want to, you know, if, if this is new to people listening, like I get, I get it. I think there's a very traditional white male cisgendered idea of what leadership looks like and the invitation for us is to break through that it's like we choose to take on leadership moments in every moment of the day so that would be my first invitation to someone who is just a you know air quotes just a team member yeah what does leadership mean for you and how do you want to step into it in this moment the second one is like if you're not speaking up because i'm assuming the person feels like can i should i would i it's like well what do you need in order to speak up Mm. To go back to that sense of what you, you know, what you help people with here is, if I don't, I don't feel safe, great. Well, what do you need to feel safe? Is yeah. it a side conversation, or do you just need a little chat to yourself? Yeah. Do you need to lean in your values? Like, there's something unfair. Will leaning from your values help you over that edge that you're feeling? So I think there's a few ways into really stepping into that. Yeah, I really like that. I think asking yourself that question of, okay, well, why do I want to make this change? Why do I care? What is it about? 
you know, as you say, whether it is someone is being treated unfairly or actually you just really want to deliver what's right by the client or, you know, and, and actually there are, there are things that you're seeing that you think could be better or improved or even if you just want to challenge yourself, right? Like that growth piece. Yeah, I think one of the ways I like holding the concept of leadership is what do you want to bring into the world? Like what's your body of work? You know, maybe it's kindness. Yeah. Maybe it's social justice. Maybe it's just doing the right thing. I mean, it can be whatever. There is no morality on whatever angle you choose, but that often helps us get out of ourselves. When there is a group think or a group dynamic going on that you're feeling counter to, it goes, but I want, if we carry on this path, the client isn't going to get the best from us. Okay, this is bigger than me, therefore I can speak up. It often helps me to get out of my own ego to go what's the bigger thing here that I want to play a part in yeah I really like that I tend to use the analogy or metaphor of values as the kind of the the direction that we want to be going in right so you can never complete kindness or growth whatever so actually having that perspective of okay this is the thing that I'm moving towards and this step of speaking up or having a conversation is a stepping zone in that direction which is a nice way as you say to get out of Mm. your head I think Mm particularly if we take teams and we go on to clients we maybe are working in two different organizations sometimes the culture could be very different you have to form teams very quickly and build that kind of trust and and that feeling of a team really quickly often under lots of pressure and challenges and you know timelines and all of that good stuff that consulting involves when you have a team that needs to come together very quickly do you have ways that leadership across the board is important in that and how would you encourage people to you know become a high performing team in a very short space of time if you take the tackman model of performing norming storming and performing there are different ways you show up as a leader in each of those and one of the things i think the leaders find it hard to is that storming phase is is when people are comfortable to work through the hard conversations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mostly people kind of veer left off the highway at that point and go ah no it actually is an important thing so there's a fundamental idea that conflict's good conflict mm-hmm. is a sign of something happened to happen and we need to move through it so what how do we drop a team into a client organization and get them up fast it's having these really grown-up conversations referring back to psychological safety what mm-hmm. do we need to be what are our team agreements i, I might even dial a back girl here's my user manual this is what I look like when I'm pissed off. This is what I look like when I need help. This is my preferred email communications. These are my values. So you know, we've never worked together. Boom, here's my user manual. So we know a little bit about each other. Starting to build that trust. So that's the individual focus. And then the team focus. Okay, so there's X number of us here. What do we need? What do, what do we need to thrive? What are we going to do when it's hard? What are our ground rules for difficult conversations? And that might change a lot yeah. of the time. That's fine. And then talk about... There's an exercise I like a lot called the high dream, low dream exercise, which I think really works well in this mm-hmm. scenario, which is, so we've just dropped in this client. Great. We're starting tomorrow morning at eight o'clock. Fantastic. <laughs> we have assumptions about this client. We've heard stories about them or yeah. this kind of work or whatever. Like this. So we're bringing in all this stuff. We have a facilitated conversation about the high dream, which is weird coachy language but if this is the best project we had ever been on ever what would be going on this would be happening that would be happening great if this was the worst project of your entire life that you were still talking about 20 years what would be happening yeah and that's important we marginalize the fears in ourselves in the team in in systems that we're in we're like oh we don't want to go there because that's a hard conversation but the thing is if you get both of those out you go great so here's our nightmare and our dream scenario, 
what would happen to happen for the nightmare scenario to have to become a reality? And now you start to get, oh, well, we ignore the client. We never go into the client office. Yeah. Like, okay, what do we need to be doing to have the good scenario more likely? So you start to get a behaviors like, oh, these are behaviors. Oh, yes. Then how do we bake the behaviors of the dream scenario into our contract so we kind of know what's here? It also goes... Oh, I was also worried. This I've heard really terrible stories about how the sponsor works, and that oh, you you've also heard. Oh, okay, I'm not. I just thought it was me. You know, yeah. there's a sharing and, a, and an empathy building and an alignment building that yeah. that happens in that, and I think that's very powerful grounding for dropping a new team into a, into a consulting client. Yeah, I love that, and I I actually wrote down <laughs> behaviors because for me that's the thing that I see most often is people are like, well, we just want to communicate. We want to be a team that really communicates, and it's like, what does that what does that mean? How 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 are we defining communication? What what does that look like? It's going to be interpreted differently by different people. <laughs> how do we hold each other to account? How do we know if we've been successful? All of that kind of stuff. So actually being yeah. able to say, we are gonna be in the client office as you say x number of days a week we are going to have a bi-weekly retro or you know we're going to reflect on how things have gone twice a week and we're going to give tangible things that we want to be working at or it's really kind of getting those behaviors well defined so that you can hold each other to account I think that's really important you know you commit to this stuff up front and then you can say actually you know part of that psychological safety is we can be honest if we see behaviors that are not aligned to that dream scenario as you say that's a safe way to call it out because we've all agreed to it we've all bought into it that's a really important point because i think when we talk about oh we want to be honest as a team we want to trust that's an outcome yeah what are the behaviors that we need in this team and this is where i find talking about leaders earlier we're talking about teams here we live in a high performance culture in the world. Consulting is a particular pinnacle of that, I think. And it's all about doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to attend the relationships in order to do the doing. If you know that, that African proverb, if you want to go fast, go on your own. If you want to go far, go with others. Yeah, But mm-hmm. to go with others, you have to slow down. And I find teams find it really frustrating. They're sitting like, why are we still talking about our agreements like an hour in? I'm yeah. like... We could spend half a day talking about yeah, it and, come and, back we, and we still months. and you'd still not be clear in two weeks' time about something. Definitely. Uh, so I would always if people are feeling uncomfortable about these relationship behaviour conversations, you're in the right space. Yeah, definitely. And I like that both from a team perspective as we kind of touched on and, and equally as your own user manual. So really calling out, okay, my behaviour is if I'm stressed or under pressure, I will do X, Y, or Z. And that, again, opens the door for people to notice that behavior. And that then is a much more welcoming space to be like, hey, like, are you okay? I'm noticing some of this stuff that you yourself highlighted as yeah. potentially being one of your stress behaviors. Can we talk about it? And, and I think that's, a, I guess, the summary of that bit is have these conversations up front if you possibly can. Yes. Yeah, they're a lot easier up front. Because it forms the foundation, right? Yeah. It's like the foundation of the house. Definitely. To have those in the midst of a conflict <laughs> where everyone's hurt and triggered and upset is very hard. Yeah. It's very hard. And I guess just, just touching on that, we've spoken a little bit about what we would want people to be doing and the kind of behaviors we'd want them to be engaging in both as an individual and as a, a team. In your experience as a coach and knowing a bit about the coaching model that we have at Clarisys, whereby everyone has a coach and they speak to them kind of weekly and you have that support I guess the conversations we've spoken a little bit about awareness of self and and that being crucial to aligning the behaviors 
what other kind of conversations would you be wanting to have either as a coach in your experience? How would you, if I'm someone in my business who wants to encourage people to engage more in this way, how could I maybe have those coaching conversations? What would that look like? If I understand your question correctly, I think it's about modeling. Modeling of the behaviors, the conversations. Modeling the conversations. Like, let's sit down and, you know, if you and I work on a project tomorrow, I'd be going, great, let's take an hour. Yeah. Let's do that contracting as yeah. to how we're going to do it. So, Amazing. you know, it, and that's, the leader, that's leadership. Yeah. You know, it's like, this is how I want the world, I want to live in a world where we are conscious of how we are in a relationship with each other. Mm-hmm. Which means that I, the leadership role that I then take is is being the first one to invite that in in my fellow yeah. coaches, in my clients, in whatever context that I'm in. And what I love about that is that anyone can do that, right? You don't have to be the, as we kind of started from, you don't have to be the traditional leader yeah. of a team. Anyone can say, hey, guys, why don't we have a conversation about how we show up when we're maybe stressed or what we want to agree to as a team. That would be one of my messages to take away from this podcast is anyone can do that. If yes. you model it, you can introduce it and and kind of be the the one who's making that change. I think if you go back to the user manual, if you start, if you do that first and then you go in like, oh, well, I've written my user manual. You, know, yeah. you and I are going to work on a project. I'd love to see it. at least talk through what your stuff is so we can get to know each other. Again, that's leading, like taking the first step, taking the, the leadership role in that relationship. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Amazing. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. That was a a really insightful conversation and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Nevermind the Pain Points. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on your favourite podcasting app or site. We would love your feedback, so please leave a review or drop us an email at podcast at And for more information about us, visit our website, claracis.com.